everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hiya, Pete. I'm going to need you to write that down for me, Matt. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 220, Scars, is brought to you by Muscle Milk. When you're handed over by a super secret race of inhumans to a super secret race of secret agents trust no other substance muscle milk (laughs) well done pete uh and before we jump in we just wanted to mention first here on the agents of shield podcast our podcast plans for the summer uh obviously with uh, next week being the two-hour season finale of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Daredevil winding down our podcast, having, I believe, five episodes left there um, with only one Marvel movie on the horizon for the summer. Uh, wanted to share here first our plans. We're calling it, Pete, the Summer of Rebellion. We're going to rewatch and do live commentary tracks once a week to the episodes of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, We're going to be releasing them on Wednesdays, same as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so you can kind of think of it as Star Wars Wednesdays. And it's going to be a slightly different feel for the podcast. It's summertime. We're going to kick back, relax, and feel the warm breeze of Lothal in our faces. And here's the best of all. Because it is kind of like a little bit more of an informal podcast, it's summertime, we're going to be releasing it on our pop culture podcast feed only. So if you are listening to this on that pop culture podcast feed, you are already signed up. And if you're not, we hope to either visit fantasticgeek.com or that you subscribe for the pop culture podcast feed. And again, I think, Pete, it's going to be a lot of fun. I know not everybody's a fan of the uh the commentary track model, but uh, if we learned anything from uh, doing the Daredevil podcast, people do, you know, have access to whether it's Netflix or uh, on demand or you know that kind of type of viewing. And uh, certainly, you can get Star Wars Rebels in a bunch of different ways: StarWars.com and uh, through your cable provider, etc. I'm sure it'll be on Netflix before too long. So, just something to give us a little bit of different pace and a little different opportunity to get together with you all this summer. The watch Disney XD app as well, where you got a lot of the episodes before they even aired. And just to clarify, we'll be doing season one, season two's, uh, you know, premiere movie, which was screened at uh, Star Wars uh, Celebration Anaheim, uh, will hit on uh, June 20th. Uh, it will be a one-hour special, and then the rest of season two proper will follow in the fall. And uh, listen, for fans of one Disney-owned, uh, you know, universe in in Marvel, uh, there's this other universe too that they acquired. Disney did uh, within the last two years. You may have heard they got a movie coming. Maybe you saw it before Age of Ultron, the trailer that was strapped to all of them. So. Yeah, we're we're fans of both, and uh, we will be uh, doing that this summer. So, um, hope that you will give it a try if you haven't already. All right, time to catch you up on what went down in this episode. Our tease begins with uh, the Koenigs, not seen in a while. There, played by Pat Oswalt. This was his seventh appearance as uh we still don't know clones life model decoys robots ultron we we're we're not sure they they could just be multiples naturally occurring multiples maybe a little help from you know uh fertility drugs but they could be just natural not robot alien monsters yeah nice piece of uh corporate synergy there at the start with the star wars sheets uh i had I, i i had that by the way i had that that um that comforter you got that reference, yes. Absolutely. Uh, I had that as well, the uh, the sheets. But, uh, you know, Sam and Billy here uh, talk of, uh, you know, uh, getting the lanyards. Coulson is at the door there and um, suddenly uh, hearing about uh, his flight, we get the uh, superimposed that this is one year earlier. So the time frame is important. Uh, he's got the, um, the Sky Mall. Uh, 
catalog. You know, they just keep turning it out. That's an in-joke. It's uh, no longer available. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, that they got Trip on board, which was uh, a sentimental kick to the solar plexus there um, because we don't get to see him. But uh, he was – Coulson was looking for an update on Gonzalez with – Hydra having uh, taken him out. They were on the lookout for him. News of progress by Fitz. Everything here leads to Theta Protocol, which uh, Koenig lets Coulson know about. He's going to need him to write it down for him. Uh, The door opens with the little triangle, the Theta on it and uh we see the helicarrier uh glimpsed first in the original avengers movie and uh you know not to spoil it for you if you haven't seen age of ultron like the rest of the world but makes a little bit of a cameo there and uh but it's not easy to keep something as big as a helicarrier a secret is it matt it's not, and I'm just going to go devil's advocate for a second here because it was a perfectly fine flashback scene as it played out, but in the time since we watched it, which was 90 minutes ago, um, is this kind of shoehorned in just to explain where the helicarrier came from in the movie, and this is your movie connection, and that's it, the end? Um, just kind of throwing that out there, not, not knowing where things might go for the finale, Um, just kind of throwing that out maybe as an early observation. Well, I think it's important from the standpoint of, Hey, how did they get it fixed up? Reference was made. It was in mothballs. Well, where were these mothballs? Again, not exactly easy to keep something like that a secret. They managed to, it was a, it was a nice nod, uh, tonally in, uh, that final act of the movie and, you know, cute to get it here. True, true. Uh, Lanyard on the table there, cards on the table. Coulson explains the Theta Protocol. Theta, of course, simultaneously meaning life and death in uh, ancient cultures there. And he explains how everything in the last week had transpired so quickly. So we are instantly caught up. We are post-Avengers Age of Ultron and Ultron was referenced throughout this episode, as was Tony Stark's failure with that. Um, but uh, Coulson said before he felt like he had failed, that a coup will make you feel like that. And he was proposing one shield with himself operating as director under their advisement, this council's invi- advisement that would be Gonzalez. Weaver, um, May, Agent Grizzly Adams with the beard, and <laughs> I did not see um, the other agent there who last took the piece of wood from Sky's powers in his arm. <laughs> it's and the other two who maybe they didn't lock down for long term recurring deals. Yes, those people. Certainly no surprise there. I mean, I think that some sort of equilibrium with, you know, Clark Gregg as star of the show and uh, other people helping him. Um, The fact that we've gotten back to that place um, at this point. I mean, obviously there's great flux by the end of the episode, but at least conceptually, that's the that's the way things will be both both director and board of directors. Uh, I mean, I don't think any great surprise from anyone in the audience, but nice to see that we've reached this point here. And Gonzalez goes along with it. He says that it's hard to argue with someone who prevented, with the man who prevented Ultron from taking over the world. So Coulson has gotten some credit here with that Theta protocol and the bailout of the Avengers in Sokovia, Matt. So I, I think that... That uh, helicarrier scene, you know, two scenes into this show is warranted. Certainly, Pete. I guess my criticism was just coming from a place of, look, maybe it's just an embarrassment of riches. You know, we have the movies so well integrated with each other. uh, And, of course, we had the wonderful integration of uh, Captain America last year into S.H.I.E.L.D. So the fact that maybe it isn't 
this amazing moment. I mean, again, maybe it's just kind of slight sour grapes on my part. Maybe I'm being a bit greedy. You know, why isn't every secret scene not Nick Fury coming out to form the Avengers? Like, maybe it's from that kind of, you know, down geek boy kind of uh, kind of energy. But, um, but oh well. We get Fitzsimmons meeting with uh, Agent the former agent 33 Kara who gets a last name here, Palamas. Uh, they're working on her and they inform her that uh, she will no longer have any memory gaps, that her mind is her own again. And she is saying that now that back, she is gone. She, uh, she feels a lot better. Um, Simmons, uh, relays that she had worked with, uh, Bobby, uh, when they were both undercover, when the question comes up here, but uh, she had very dark hair then. And then, Matt, the lights kind of blink a little bit. And, you know, knowing we were past the events of Age of Ultron, that seemed a little conspicuous. Well, I just kind of read it as as informed by what immediately follows, which is Lincoln waking up. He is, you know, Mr. Electricity. So I just thought that it was, you know, uh, you know, when he wakes up, the lights flicker. Sometimes it's, you know, the boat's a-knocking for him. When he wakes up, lights flicker. <laughs> and Sky is with Lincoln. And uh, as he comes to here, he sees the S.H.I.E.L.D. logo. And he instantly tells her that she never should have come for him. That uh, now S.H.I.E.L.D. knows they exist. And this is going to be a problem. Certainly setting up some of that uh, xenophobic point of view that i guess has been touched on before it didn't come across as new information but the veracity that he has certainly is veracity set up by jai ying in a couple of scenes and i mean obviously it's well timed because it's coming to a head in this episode but i hadn't kind of previously sensed that they were so concerned so almost in fear of the outside world as opposed to well we want to be private for privacy's sake at Afterlife, Raina meets with a Michael uh, who she tells that she saw um, something, uh, presumably his child, with a blue light that he will go through the mist when he comes of age and be beautiful. Um, Raina then tells Gordon that uh, she needed to embrace her gift, which she now has. And... Uh, that um, he says her vision of Sokovia and everything uh, has really cemented her status, seeing the, um, the metal men changing the world. Um, but she confesses that she's having a hard time telling visions from dreams. Gordon says maybe he could help. And she said that last night she saw a stone and there was an ocean uh, featured in the dream as well. And he asks immediately, wait, this stone, did it have deep cavities carved in it? Um, we whirl around to Jai Ying, who uh, is explaining that stories like that came from uh, the Cree myths. And uh, unfortunately, the Cree decided that Inhumans were a mistake and wanted to wipe them out. Um, but this object has obviously gotten their attention and that uh, Gordon may be able to locate it um, and Reyna may be able to help um, but Gordon said it would be easier if they went together. We uh, flash to the Iliad and suddenly Gordon and Reyna teleport in and that's it Matt. It's there. I like that um twist of the story uh i know i get i don't i I certainly didn't see any previews but certainly the fact that we were going to be dealing with the thing that you have down there that mysterious thing um was a mystery to expect in this episode and the two next week would be addressed um i'll admit i didn't kind of predict that the two stories would come together and it would be uh, an object of note for the Inhumans, but it's a nice twist in the story nonetheless, keeping everybody uh, kind of working out of the same story pool. Matt, I know that you and I both separately saw the thing 
thing that they were talking about, we'll mention in a minute, and both mistook it for the same thing. (laughs) This is very true. Act two, back on the Iliad, and uh, Gordon asks Raina if anything looks familiar. She says that uh, it does not, but she remembers a red door. Uh, May and uh, Bobby uh, quickly walk by, and uh, you know this was endemic of this episode, Matt. And I take pretty good notes. Could not keep up. Well, the the crux of their conversation, at least what I got out of it, as I was taking my notes, was basically. Uh, I think here is the story function. Look, there's Gordon and uh, Raina. They go into a room that only has one door. Then May and Mockingbird say, blah, 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 long enough to go into the door. <gasps> Gordon is gone. Right. Like, I think that was just kind of the function of the scene, which was like tension, tension, tension. But the zoop, zoop guy disappeared. Um, so I don't think you missed particularly much in the, I mean, this was a breakneck episode. I would bet that the number of cuts to another scene where maybe triple of what an average episode is at the afterlife Cal is uh speaking with jai and the subject is the trust they can place in reina um cal has this alternating soft spot slash deep distrust of reina uh you know first she's okay but he you know, borderline hulks out here that he wants to rip her rat heart out. His his speech as it goes on is quite good too, kind of portraying the the down and out Reina who yep. you know would ask for the old pastries and then just always wants more, more, right. more. Which I thought was a wonderful way to I don't want to say reframe her character because we always knew that, but just kind of um, cast her in a light which was objective and remind us that. For all her pathos and her weird powers and her, her what I'm sure is very uncomfortable makeup, she's a baddie and there's not kind of the, there's not the excuse level that other baddies have, say Cal, who was doing all these bad things to try and bring his family back together. Raina's just greedy and in it for herself, the, the antithesis of this community. And it's a metaphor for her upgrade as an inhuman uh, that he's never seen her not want something. So while Rena's trying to move on up, she explains that she envies Gordon, um, that she wasn't chosen. And, uh, you know, again, she continues to sow the seeds of discord with Gordon, you know, asking rhetorically, well, why does she bring so few through the mist? Um, it's at that point that their presence is known. Um, they get into the room. Uh, there's a big 47 on the wall with the clear box that changes shape quite a few times. And Matt, my first impulse like yours was metal guy from episode 102 Gravitron or Triton Gravitron, which it's not, which was a little confusing because we last saw Graviton also in a box like that. And here's a guy that, you know, we very heavily placed that out in the beginning of season one, the early part and, uh, seen at the end of season one and not seen since. Well, I, I would bet that there's some really logical forward looking reason why this stone also does liquid morphs. And I bet they also discussed this in the writer's room and was like, and, and, and you know, they kind of came to the, the conclusion of, you know what? So it morphs. Plenty of things morph. If people right. are confused for a second, it's going to go back to stone shape and they're going to say, look, there's the stone. So say la vie. Um, so Colson and uh, Gonzalez know that the teleporter is there. Just like that, though, they get out. The tension is cut very quickly. And um, Hunter... Uh, very effectively uh, eats up that tension by drawing on Raina's picture, putting the spikes there to update it. <laughs> a reminder that this is a lovely actress who is wearing more, not just makeup on her face, but is probably covering more of the skin of her head than basically most 
actors you have seen on any comparable TV show. This is double the makeup that that Worf wears on Star Trek because basically her whole head is covered. And um, <laughs> a reminder that this poor lady must be getting a makeup call at like 4.30 a.m. Yes. So just as Hunter is lamenting that this new S.H.I.E.L.D. brain trust is working brilliantly, Sky and Coulson uh, meet. And the subject is, of course, these teleporting intruders. And uh, Coulson even asks, are they people? And uh, Sky informs him as to the inhuman nature. At least that's what their ancient ancestors called them. And we just want to be left alone. We. Yeah. Her inclusion there, of course, you know, a, a bridge too far, perhaps. Sky is talking with May in the scene as well. And that she had heard about the little girl in Bahrain. Oh, by the way, you knew she was inhuman, right? You above all should understand why our location should be kept secret. At least they're being upfront with the fact that, that it's an incredibly small world. Now that it's going to complete the loop and say, you know, so I know your story about the girl who interacted with my mom, whose little girl I am, you know. If you're going to go whole hog, go whole hog. Right. So uh, we cut from there to Weaver talking about rebuilding a device that would track the teleporter. Uh, Gonzalez says that he thinks it's time to pay our new friends a visit as we end a breakneck second act. And not just talking about making it endemic of the speed of this episode. It's, oh, look, I made that thing. Now we can track them. Act break. Act three, and Coulson wants to know who said anything about an attack. Um, he wants a sit down with uh, Zhang Ying, their leader, and he wants to, he's even labeling it a fact finding mission. Um, but while this debate is going on, there's also uh, debate at the afterlife. Um, so they do have it, this uh, object here. Uh, it's Jai, Cal, Gordon, and Reyna. And uh, the subject of helping your people with your visions is something that uh, Cal is really ranking on Reyna about. Gordon counters with uh, the fact that Cal thrives on chaos. Without that concoction he takes, he's nothing. A little bit of foreshadowing. What is that, by the way? Muscle milk? <laughs> uh, and Jai uh, is worried about all this discord. She's concerned that S.H.I.E.L.D. is trying to fracture their unity um, as inhumans. It's it's an effective scene showing how things are kind of feeling the, the Reina effect. Here she is kind of plowing through everybody in her in her quiet way, and it's, it's upsetting the, uh, the apple cart. And as you mentioned, Pete, it has been so long since the topic of Cal taking things to give him his his extra edge, um, Cal Rod, if you will. Um, it, it's been so long. Cattle since Rod. Been, <laughs> um, the Cal Bomb from Cal Rod. Anyhow, it's it, it was a nice reminder that did not read as foreshadowing for later in the episode it was just like oh yeah there is that thing huh and then of course because because this is the fastest cut episode ever you don't even have the time to say i wonder why they brought that up because then we cut to shield headquarters yes sky is with colson and he is reminding her that she's a shield agent and she admits she does not know what she is anymore um and colson wants to know uh, you know, if she's sure about doing this and it's here that she drops the mom bomb. That's right. And he looks hurt, I think, because I know Clark Gregg views Chloe Bennett as a little sister. Uh, but I think that Colson views uh, views Sky as a as a daughter by proxy and finding out that there's a real mom makes him a little bit less of a proxy dad. Yes. And that. He did not make her with the mom also is a complication. Dyke and Lockman, definitely a, definitely a, a looker. 
Yes, but uh, speaking of looking, Matt, uh, they're locking up uh, Kara Palamis, uh, former Agent 33 here, and uh, May explains to Morse that when she takes your face, uh, you'll be able to empathize. Again, further foreshadowing for this episode. Um, Which, by the way, makes three foreshadowing scenes in a row. Cal's muscle milk. Is Sky an agent? Question mark. And does 33 take faces? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're seeding this stuff early on. But uh, then we have uh, Mac uh, working out. And uh, the TV in the background there with the uh, Chiron tells us that a crisis has been averted in Sokovia. Um, Morse confesses to Mac that she has not yet talked to Hunter, uh, but so says the guy that put him in a chokehold. <laughs> I'm starting to work on a theory here that this episode coming after the quite good but B-plus uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, that this is kind of a B-plus episode that needs to get everything in place for the two-hour finale. Um, just a little theory I'm working on, but again, some of this speed of like, for example, 33 is being put in a cell, dot, dot, dot. We don't see her again until she somehow has gotten out of a cell and has deeply infiltrated, you know, important, uh, assets of shield. Okay. We're just going to skip over that. We're going to kind of just zip along through a lot of stuff here. Again, not a bad episode at all. Just want to point out though, I think we're going a little fast and loose with, with some of the details. Yes, and uh, quick enough for May to uh, cite that she misses her plane and Coulson to point out that uh, mostly terrible stuff happened on it. <laughs> um, tells May that uh, Zhang Ying is Sky's mother. Uh, he was uh, expecting at least a raised eyebrow on that. Didn't even get that. Um, but the girl that, uh, was killed in Bahrain was not killed in the crossfire is May's admission that, uh, it really came down to, uh, her or everybody else. And, um, she had told her ex-husband Andrew this and they had boundaries. Um, but, uh, Coulson and his, uh, you know, GH325, the Tahiti Protocol, everything that went on there. Um, she brings that up, and uh, Coulson gets to the point that he had never lost control, but May throws back at him like a, br- like a brick, like a rock. Sky is living proof that you did. I mean, it's a scene certainly making us uh, wish for the days when Colson and May were on the same page and they are not. And you kind of wonder to what degree the subsequent two episodes and then the the absolutely presumed third season, P.S. Friends, by the time uh, we next do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we will know the, the fate of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter and the, the Mockingbird spinoff and all of that. And further side note, we'll probably do a quick little update episode when we do learn when that is, unless it's Tuesday, then we'll just fold it into next week's episode. But on this particular scene, you know, how how long will these characters bear the scars of this uh, of this event here? We see that there still is Ward fallout over a year later and he's, you know, quote unquote, returned to the show and come back to the team for an episode. Obviously, in this episode, as we'll discuss in a bit, you know, back back in the story so at least the actors you know getting the call to set and all of that but we still haven't put that back together and you wonder if that will be the case for may and colson sky fitz and simmons have a little powwow and uh they get to bond with her they give her the uh, little hula girl oh look she shakes and uh colson comes in just in time to tell her it's time to go Lincoln, meanwhile, is, uh, you know, discussing that uh, he was being indexed um, and Coulson puts him at ease. But uh, he says, yeah, Hydra said the same thing. But Coulson's point is you can trust us. 
Sky tells Coulson that Gordon had explained about uh, the quantum entanglement that allows him to uh, teleport, that he could sense them, and that they needed to be further away from S.H.I.E.L.D. so that they can be uh, picked up, if you will, that they will see them tomorrow. Um, there was a big red door at this point with a three that uh, they went through. And remember uh, Raina's vision about a door. We've seen a couple there. I think that was important to point out. By the Speak- way, Pete, you know yeah. why I think they can only summon Gordon when uh, when uh, the normal humans are around? Uh, which means why is it that Sky and Lincoln have to go off screen? Because then it's cheaper. We've already had a lot of whooshy effects in here. You don't need yes. this one. You just saved yourself probably $20,000. Yes, but if she said that in dialogue, Matt, I'm guessing it might hurt the show's reputation. Oof, that is true. You see, Colson, there's a special <laughs> effects house that needs to make this actor. You're, you know, you're absolutely right, Pete. You're absolutely yeah. See, this is, this a little, is the there's, there's no eloquent way to write that. <laughs> we, we are constructed fake fictional characters. Anyhow, take it away, Pete. With her practical makeup, Matt, uh, Raina runs to Gordon with yet another vision that S.H.I.E.L.D. Quinjets were raining <gasps> on Raina fire. And uh, Zha Ying is uh, content here, um, despite meeting with Raina, uh, that they tell her that she can't meet with S.H.I.E.L.D., um, and uh, if not, Jai Ying, who? And Reina suggests perhaps that she could be the one to meet with S.H.I.E.L.D. at the end of our third act. And, you know, Ruth Nega is a perfectly fine actress and, and never is inauthentic. Uh, and I, I, I think, though, she nails the she nails Reina's Reina's poor acting. So Ruth Nega does a great job showing Reina's poor acting when it's like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe it should be, whoops, me? And it's just delightful. It's absolutely delightful. So are you suggesting that Raina doesn't need to Raina it in? Not at all. Well, you know what? Luckily, Raina's overacting isn't seen by Gordon. Act four, Zhai Ying meets with uh, a woman who was uh, identified, Matt, only in the script as scientist with a blue crystalline object. Um, she asks the woman how it's coming along, and uh, Zhai Ying tells her to uh, keep packing the crates for now. It's By the way, Pete, just I- a precaution. I know our pal Ian in the UK likes obscure references that we don't explain. So this one's for you, Ian. Pete, do you think if you had a bunch of those crystals, would it be a crystalline entity? It might be. Or you could just be some new age weirdo. This is true. So um, that little piece of the puzzle thrown out there, but of course, just a precaution uh, Gordon, Sky, and Lincoln uh, reappear at Afterlife. Um, that uh, the background of, of Shield patching Lincoln up comes up, but they still want to check him out. They send him to their own recovery room. Sky meets with her mother and talks about Coulson and Shield. And Sky throws out the please mom line there that she really wants her mother to go along with this idea. Jai, of course, notes how young she is. And uh, isn't it like every teenager? Please, mom, won't you let my friends come over? Why do you hate them so just because they're different? Kids. Back at the playground, Colson is laying out the mission that uh, Weaver will be with him on QJ36. Gonzalez, however, um, says that Colson should not be the one to go, that uh, he's too close to Sky, that uh, the Inhumans here are one of the greatest threats S.H.I.E.L.D. has ever faced, 
that uh, Ultron was created by Tony Stark because the people around him did not see the problems that uh, were evident that one man could let this go uh, in the wrong direction. They all have to uh, enact proper safeguards. That S.H.I.E.L.D. is better than this. And it's May who comes to the conclusion that uh, prompted by Gonzalez that I'm, I'm sorry, prompted by Colson that Gonzalez should be the one to go. Colson says that he will quarterback from back at the base and uh, that Weaver will go on uh, QJ 36 as previously appointed. Simmons, meanwhile, admits to Fitz that she attempted to kill Ward, that uh, it haunts her that uh, she didn't, and she thinks that the next terrible thing that he does will be on her. The, uh, the Gonzalez speech that you mentioned a scene ago, really, really convincing. Great example of Edward James Olmos. And uh, boy, I'm so glad that he didn't tweet at about this point. I love you all on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. forever or something like that. I assume that that's reference to how he's going to be like in the Mockingbird spinoff. Nothing's going to happen to him. And uh, speaking of scenes that aren't weird, next up, May tells Bobby that they're going to scout ahead because they always do that. That's not weird, right, Pete? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't hit anybody as uh, a red herring or anything like that. Um, Coulson and Mac then have a discussion about the Theta Protocol and uh, brushing with alien things. Mac is still uh, shaken up after what happened in um, the underground city. Um, And uh, he is convinced that any shield with uh, Coulson as a director is not something that he wants any part of. That uh, Coulson tells him he will station him on the carrier He tells him that uh, I'll go to the carrier, but this is to collect my things. And Coulson in the exposition here points out that you were with S.H.I.E.L.D. 13 years. We're sorry to lose you. Pete, and again, an episode that I would peg as B+. Uh, This is perhaps the most incongruous scene of them all in this episode. It seems like Mac leaving is just out of the blue. Now, I get that. I guess he's, you know, burdened with the guilt of the whole undercover and the two shields and all of that but so many of them are and i just feel like he is the exception um and it just seemed i mean look if he comes back in the next episode as there's some sort of you know better story reason why you know now he's re undercover somewhere else or that kind of thing if like this is just the last we see of mac and then actor henry simmons isn't back next season it's just going to be a weird way for this character who is affable and enjoyable to just have faded away. Coulson wants those jets in the air. We get back to afterlife and Cal is, uh, you know, bringing up shield. They can't come here. You know, he smashes the, uh, the, uh, very old looking, uh, chair there. Oops. That was old. Wasn't it? Cal smash. Um, he says he only knows uh, a few S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, but none of them does he enjoy. Phil Coulson is th- his least favorite, although like a lot of things Cal is doing lately, there's the good with the bad, and he points out that Coulson at least cares about his daughter. But the index comes up, um, and the idea of branding them on this index does not seem like a good idea. Um, Jai brings up that uh, the people should or will not blindly follow her to war. And um, they have a rather touching conversation about uh, how they've aged, how, um, you know, Cal is, uh, you know, not necessarily the guy that she knew yet. Uh, Zhang Ying has not changed in all that time. They, they did lose their daughter. They don't want to lose their daughter again and how they're going to convince shield and, uh, their comrades to have this happen is really a big hurdle to get over. 
this another scene that is uh, setting up later points in the story. I don't know if you would quite call it foreshadowing, but certainly setting things up in the future. But it doesn't feel like it. You really believe that Jai is coming from a place of peace. And as Cal is talking about the the invasive and probing nature of the index, and, you know, she's saying, well, that may be all well and good, but I can't lead these people just blindly, as, as you said, Pete, into war. The subtext there on reflection is we need something to kick off this war and we're going to see what that is. Right. It's the old, you know, I'm going to convince you that this was your idea type of thing. That's a great idea, Pete. I'm glad (laughs) you thought of it. Where he, uh, oh, all right, well, you can give me to them. Technically, I'm a murderer. Please do it. Um, You know, which leads us to the scene in the Quinjet with Morrison May. You know, Mac quit today. Um, you ever wonder if, uh, you know, what it would be like if you weren't with S.H.I.E.L.D. And May says, I've been thinking a lot about that lately in, in the exchange between the two of them that seemed a little out of place. Um, we get a very quick scene of Coulson, Fitz, and Hunter uh, where Coulson's observation is that he thinks they're spending too much time together. <laughs> uh, um, and then Ying and Gorda, um, you know, comes in. What's wrong? Uh, Weaver and Gonzalez uh, have been able to locate uh, an insurance policy, which is a brown box that she hands him. And then uh, suddenly May is uh, drawing down on uh, Bobby, who turns out to be Kara. And they have this fight on the Quinjet uh, where Kara is slammed into the fastened seatbelt light to turn it off uh, by Morse, who knocks her out. She steps out of the Quinjet and she is suddenly shot, but not dead, Matt, because it's only an icer fired by one Grant Ward to end the act. Pete, I was so glad that they were bringing Ward back into the story here. I had wondered, you know, after the quick reunion last week, and then off he goes forever, if it's just a case of, you know, hey, we've run out of stuff to do with the character. Goodbye, Brett Dalton. But no, I'm glad that he's back, the actor. He's back, the character. And hopefully we can, you know, keep him around for next season as well. Yeah, you know what it was? He had come to Sky's home there. It's It's all coming together. As Act 5 begins, three Quinjets bear down on Afterlife. Simmons reports that there are a lot more unknowns, she calls them, than they anticipated. Uh, May, the real May, tells them to lock in, that they're going to touch down in five. Raina says to Gordon that she always knew her life would build up to something. It's then that Jai Ying comes in, uh, talk about her uh, Reina's gift that some would call the transformation a curse, but uh, pointing to Reina says that you use your powers to manipulate those around you. Ironically, Jai increasingly appearing like she can be manipulated, even on the topic of how Reina can manipulate other people. Right. But Raina is uh, adamant that she is trying to save us, the Inhumans, but uh, not a single soul trusts her. Uh, Raina tells uh, them that they have to believe her, that they will regret this. The Quinjet door opens and we've got Gordon uh, awaiting them and Gonzalez and uh, Jai eventually meet, and uh, she tells him that they are going to return something to him. Um, and uh, Jai Ying tells Sky that you're going to take your father to Agent Gonzalez, Robert, that is, as they exchange pleasantries, that they have much to discuss and they're left alone course we know why in a little bit um cal has a touching scene here with sky 
tells her that he was always excited to meet her, even when she was a little bit of nothing in her mother's stomach. Nice line there. He says that he is amazed by her and little, uh, little touching moments, certainly grateful. Uh, he got to know her. Um, when we're back with Gonzalez and Ying, it's the idea here that there's been a, uh, a long history of, uh, of issues. And Gonzalez says that, uh, you know, he understands, he empathizes what Ying has been through, that he bears, shares some of the same scars with what Hydra has done to him. Gonzalez tells Ying that he has something for her, and he takes out the box. She goes on to open it. Um, May and uh, Sky. Of course reunite. we cut away at this moment, by the way. Yeah. Of course we do. Uh, with what happened to Coulson, the question between uh, Sky and May, um, May tells her that Gonzalez is more objective. Um, it's then that we cut back to the Gonzalez Ying scene and she opens the box. It is a traditional Chinese talisman here to ward off evil spirits, ward off Matt I don't I don't get it I don't get it I know you don't um May tells Sky that uh she hopes her mother was everything you uh she wanted her to be and uh Gonzalez is telling uh Ying that uh Shield has a long and violent history with uh powered people but uh he would like to meet her people and keep a record. Uh, that's why S.H.I.E.L.D. exists. And he was doing this really in, in fair terms. Um, but it's then that Jai says that she has another gift in return and uh, said one that may even be worth indexing. That it's amazing how many fall in the same trap. And that's uh, the trap of fear. Um, Gonzalez, uh, talks about how shield's goal is to protect. It's at that moment that we cut back to the Quinjet where as they're putting Cal on Weaver says, Hey, what's in these vials? And there was a, you know, little bit of green liquid. Uh, Cal of course said that, uh, it, it beats him. And I know that they quickly then cut away from the Quinjet, but I think that what delay was shown in terms of oh he took a thing what is that i think that professional secret agents would have immediately said all right everybody take out their gun pointed at him we need to i uh, you know exit back out just in case it's an explosive and again i understand that we are late in the episode and i understand that we cut away fairly quickly but i just kind of felt like it was and hold reaction for next week go back to jai right uh, it's back with Jai that she shows the blue crystal we had seen earlier in the episode that um, there was uh, uh, Whitehall had talked about how um, uh, discovery requires experimentation, that they had melted down a diviner. Um, and, uh, you know, let's see if, it has, let's hope it has the same effect on humans that it does on us. It's that point that the smoke comes across the mist and Gonzalez coughs. He goes to take out his gun, but of course he is turning to stone like we've seen with so many victims this season. And Jai lectures him, how dare he compare his scars to hers that Whitehall had cut out her organs and stuffed them in jars and uh, taken her daughter as well. And uh, she grabs the gun there and shoots herself twice in the shoulder, comes stumbling out of her bungalow there. Uh, Sky runs to her mom and she tells 
her and anyone else that S.H.I.E.L.D. tried to kill her, this is war before she falls. Here, Jai Ying committing herself to be a zealot uh, and a liar. And I will admit, completely shocked by the death of uh, Gonzalez here. I was yeah. absolutely convinced that they were setting up at least the option, the offer to Edward James Olmos to recur in S.H.I.E.L.D., to recur in Mockingbird, to maybe be the you know, the Law and Order, SVU, NCIS, whatever the different ones are under Law and Order, you know, to be like the recurring face between the two, um, you know, like the judge, if you will, as there are in the, the Law and Order ones that kind of will share share characters like that. Totally shocked that he was killed off. It was at that moment, though, that I was like, oh, yeah, he tweeted about a half hour ago. I will love all of you on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. forever or something like that. It was like, that was an awfully big goodbye. Uh Oh, so, yeah. Adios, Eddie Olmos. And as you mentioned, Pete, we go to an act break. You know, this is um, it was unexpected where this happened uh, for the audience, certainly. But um Here's a guy in Edward James almost who was so out in front about how much he liked having this job that he grew up reading Marvel comics, that his son had read Mar- Marvel comics, and that he was really, really into this and certainly chewed it up while he had the opportunity. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's sad to see him go. I like to think maybe he loved the job and didn't want to do a series w- with a lengthy commitment, so was able to live in the moment and uh, and also take things from there. Our tag scene uh, features Agent Morse on the floor of the Quinjet, and uh, they're asking for her uh, what her 20 is over the radio. Ward is duct-taping her, uh, telling... Um, Kara that she did a good job and Kara tells him of course that it was hard to be away from him but uh, that they can't kill um, Morse just yet that uh, closure is more than that with that she's starting to wake up and Ward says well we don't want that three more icers and uh, away we go Indeed, that that final shot there, Ward and 33, uh, to be quite honest, kind of giving each other the sexy eyes. They are both um, really into the weirdness that is each other. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, let's begin at least in the light he was cast at times in the episode with Gonzalez in his final episode. I was convinced that there were multiple moments where he was going to be co-opting the the peace conference, if you will, and acting as uh, acting as the necessary evil. Um, whether it was the the insurance policy given to him by Weaver whether it was the rather deft maneuvering in public of him taking the place of Coulson, even down to May's lines to Sky, uh, Gonzalez is more objective. He's a good guy. Sad pause. He is simply more objective. And just perhaps even May dipping a toe into the, the pool of he is objective because he knows Jai Ying must be killed or he knows what must be done must be done. But no, apparently he is there to just spell out the, the, the priority for public safety. Let's not forget that the Inhumans view themselves as separate from the rest of us. Um, but public safety for, for the populace at large and and thus the need for an index. And uh, adios, Gonzalez. I think the character was so informed by the actor and there's so few actors, particularly in genre entertainment, you could have cast in this role that would have this gravitas and you know we're gonna miss admiral adama on this show we sure are. I, I like to think that uh that uh his mustache will remain resplendent agent 33 matt cara palamas although 
one might say, hey, I call Baloney because she's a love-struck female character and not in charge of her own faculties, you know. I wouldn't go that far. She is not in charge of her own faculties because she was brutally and systematically and effectively brainwashed, and Ward has taken advantage of that to simply give her another object of her brainwashedness. Um, and I... I really enjoy her as a character because she's she's so deeply flawed through no fault of her own and um, frankly highlights the evilness of Ward because she is in so many ways incapable of doing anything but following him and he's the one lapping it up. He's the one taking advantage and uh, it, it casts him in a, in a maniacal light. By making her first scene in the episode the... We fixed your memory gaps scene, Matt. They completely telecast it in, in retrospect. Um, you know, that being said, her character is what it needs to be right now in order to bridge it to Ward with this deranged romance that they have happening. Absolutely. I mean, not knowing that Ward was coming back, which was a good hide based on last week's episode and not knowing how they need to set the pieces up for this episode for the two-hour finale it certainly seemed reasonable at the time that she was just going to be um you know fixed and hey good news now you are another soldier to add to all this and maybe you make it to next season and maybe you don't but but pete let's keep this moving uh, hopefully at the same pace as the episode uh cut to reyna yeah, Raina as really the what do we want to call her here? She's the catalyst within the course of this episode and you know, not knowing as the audience does that it's Jai that is really uh manipulating things. It's very easy to cast that mistrust towards Raina. Well, I personally think that Reyna, at the end of the day, was very effective in uh, in manipulating everyone around her, including Jai. I think that, that um, I mean, maybe not as Reyna wanted. I think Reyna believed she would be a better alternative than, uh, than Jai. But in that it seems Reyna is, is kind of needy enough to want the drama of, you know, conflict and strife and whatnot, she certainly has pushed and pulled the people around her to kind of make that happen. Well, here's where I think Cal's little speech falls short because the, the thesis of which was she's always wanted more. I've never known her to not want something that she gets the old pastry. She wants the fresh one. She, she gets, you know, the cotton, she wants the silk. Well, what more can you have once you're an inhuman? It's pretty hard to move forward from that. And remember, all that Raina ever wanted before was to be special. Now she's got that. And she's come into that. As she said before, she's accepting that. So, you know, we're overreaching with our suspicion of her only because we don't want to trust her. Very true, very true, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with her as a character uh, in this finale. Frankly, I mean, there's there's many options to conclude or continue the story storylines of of uh, a number of characters uh, in the finale and into into the next uh, into the next season. Pete, we mentioned Reina's manipulation of Jia Ying. Now let's talk Jia Ying as dossier villain. This was some Godfather stuff up in here um, to get Gonzalez into her confidence and to take him out like that and then to plug herself twice and set shield up with his death that she was attacked. Yeah, I mean, she she has checkmated them and it's going to be fascinating to see how this plan falls apart because it will fall apart. The evidence that she is presenting is incontrovertible and um, certainly is going to have uh, a lasting effect. And lastly, Pete, let's talk about Grant Ward back once again. 
Yeah, not for very long, but you know, between what he's able to do to Mockingbird and neutralize her, his continued hold Svengali like over uh Kara, he's gonna be a player in this finale. Good, good, good. Glad to have him back in that capacity. Frankly, I think the actor must worry, oh, another script without my name on it. Glad to see him uh, back in the mix here. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, let's talk Theta Protocol. Uh, I will again say Theta Protocol seems to be really convenient in that it's the thing to explain the movie and it's explained quickly and then they're like, look, this happened a year ago. Now I tell you, trust, peace, friends. So would you say it is a theta complete? Indeed, I would. Pete, you know I don't do um, any kind of spoiler stuff, but I had definitely heard some solid buzz about Edward James almost playing a role in the Mockingbird spinoff. So I was totally surprised about his exit here and i'm wondering i'm wondering kind of you know how we can analyze and theorize that rumor versus the reality of him being gone matt marvel has seemed to have stepped up its anti-spoiler game in that um i saw some sheets that uh had gonzalez around a little longer than this and that that's going on uh yeah worries me a little bit some of our listeners might remember that i pointed out before avengers that the captain marvel character had been cast that was going to get the briefest of cameos in avengers age of ultron and no spoiler because it doesn't happen she's not in it and the decision was made very very late that it would be shoehorning her kind of like the, the Loki scene they shot. They did not put in the movie as well, but I'm told will be on the digital release um, that they, they said, you know what? This, this character shouldn't just be, be something, someone who appears in the background and gets no explanation. The casting remains. I can't tell you who it is, but uh, you will see her soon. Ooh, mystery, mystery. Yeah. Pete, first up, let's hit uh, the Twitter. We had uh, we had a response from a young man on Twitter. I had said, uh, made the joke, a little, little cross-nerd joke here. If Gonzalez visits Afterlife, will he find Starbuck? And uh, we got a response that said, that's not all he'll find. Hashtag Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, this is from somebody who goes by the name... Uh, Edward Jolmos on Twitter. Um, that's his Twitter name. Let's see. His real name is Edward James Almos. Yes. Wow. Yes. Uh, quite an honor to uh, hear from him there and for him to uh, tweet at us. Thank you, sir. Indeed. This is this is an honor, and I can I can count that with an orange and ten fingers. <laughs> Matt, one of the myriad ways to interact with us, you mentioned Twitter, is also the Fantastic Geek Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word. And Greg Gear wrote in that uh, there were a lot of great lines in last week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., including spoiler alert and I knew I should have shot you in the face, but his favorite was don't you run fast and collect gold rings. He almost fell off his chair. Anyone else want to chime in with his faves? And uh, somebody put on their ward, stop talking to people. <laughs> uh, good old Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. We, we shall never forget ye. But Matt, if you like to talk to people and you like to talk to us and have others here, what you talk to us, you can go on iTunes, you can search Fantastic Geek, and whether it's the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the ongoing Daredevil podcast, 
even if you want to go back to Agent Carter or our uh, Umbrella Pop Culture podcast, you can leave us a review and we will or may likely share that on the air. Uh, So you help us, you help others find us, and everybody wins. And by the way, that uh, Umbrella Pop Culture podcast, uh, the word umbrella there, Pete, not referring to the fact that everything that we do ends up there, whether it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daredevil, Agent Carter, Marvel movies, other sci-fi, pop culture type stuff. Uh, It also refers to the fact that we have an ongoing uh, podcast on the history of umbrellas. Uh, We've moved into the Phoenician era, and we should finish in about 40 years. But, Pete, most of all, people can't beat competing with meeting pete on twitter and how can they do so you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r j-k-t-e-l-a-a-r 5725 followers can't be wrong and while i am personally on twitter as looking back lost you can be in touch with the podcast in four fantastic ways uh, we are a fantastic geek with a PH in all of them. There's the Gmail, the .com, the Twitter, and one more way, Pete. Facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek. Well, with that, Pete, I will get my icer ready to uh, take me off to bed, and I will say adios to all our listeners. We'll talk to you uh, one more time next week for the special two-hour, super-long season finale podcast episode. Maybe we'll even do a wrap-up before then. Do also keep an eye out, joking aside, uh, on your podcast feed for um, kind of a wrap-up of whatever news comes out for renewals, uh, return dates, cancellations, etc. in um, Marvel television land. And with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I was expecting at least a raised eyebrow, but okay. Okay.